Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of the School Safety Free Period. I'm Amanda Klinger. And I'm Dr. Amy Klinger. And we're with the Educators School Safety Network. We're a national nonprofit organization and we provide school safety training and professional development and technical assistance and resources to schools throughout the United States and Canada. And although we're typically pretty serious and pretty academic, um, we like to take a little bit out of time every week and we have this school safety free period where we still learn a lot and we have a lot of school safety takeaways. Uh, but we but are it's informal. It's a conversation and a dialogue rather than a lecture or a, a lesson. Yeah, we're a little bit less formal. We have dogs wandering around the studio, uh, but we still have that a lot could of happen. we still have a lot of important school safety takeaways. So, are you ready to start us off? Yeah. So this week I've been very frustrated by some things that have been going on in the news, and so I kind of want to. At the risk of having a rant or a tirade or a... No one wants that. I don't know, whatever it might be. I think I want to put some stuff out there for our conversation and for our listeners to reflect on. So I really want to talk a little bit about rebooting um, the, the school safety conversation. So this week, a number of different things happened. We had New York Fashion Week, which... Typically, as you can tell, not a ton of school safety is, implications. Well, typically, I'm not really big into New York Fashion Week, but what sort of surfaced out of that was a design statement or a fashion statement um, that featured a designer who sold vintage-looking sweatshirts that said Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, complete with bullet holes. Um, the designer said that they were trying to empower, and this is their quote, empower the survivors of tragedy through storytelling in the clothes. Whatever. Um, it was a commercial event. It was not a nonprofit event. It was not an awareness event. It was a commercial event here by my clothes. Um, the sweatshirts sell for $210 a piece. Oh, they're available for purchase. Yes. That's a little bit different than uh, like a PSA. Okay. Right. Okay. So clearly there was a lot of backlash and a lot of outcry, and justifiably so, from mm -hmm. survivors of these events as well as other people. And so that sort of sets the stage of, oh, we're trying to raise awareness about gun violence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, we're going to put the links to some of the, the articles, you know, that you can kind of see uh, where those were. But I, I read one article by an author that said, so would this be okay if we had um, a pink Jackie Kennedy suit splattered with JFK's blood? Would that be okay? Right. Would that be a way to raise awareness? Or John Lennon's glasses with blood all over them that you could buy? And would that be okay? And why is it... Which begs the question, and, and you know, you can speak to this a little bit. Why is it that it's okay when it's a school shooting and then it's not thoughtless or heartless, it's awareness as opposed to some other violent event? Well, I think, uh, I don't know if, if it's what, being in a school is what makes that different. I think it is someone who wanted to be provocative and uh, a way to sort of cover yourself of. Well, I'm being, I'm being provocative, but I'm trying to draw attention to a good cause. And I'm um, also making a lot of money. Well, I mean... The, so, I mean, to me, it's flex of... I mean, it's max of exploitation. I mean, the commercial aspect of it is especially uh, distasteful. But, I mean, but this, I don't think, is that uncommon from what we have seen for years and years. I mean, if you... I mean, you have been a middle school principal. If you channel your inner seventh grader, what is the thing that will send the adults into fits? Yeah, sure. Referencing this. Um, I am... Uh, Obviously, not supportive of these sweatshirts. I am surprised that they're available for sale. Who is wearing that sweatshirt? Someone who wants to 
cause a problem. Well, and what do you do as the administrator when the kid saunters into your school wearing his Parkland sweatshirt complete with bullet holes? What do you do? I mean, I, I can tell you from an administrative perspective, that's pretty much the slam dunk disruptive to the educational process. Uh, I, I think you're going to have a pretty compelling case there. But then I think the other part of that is maybe we should be taking a look at a kid who wants to make that statement, not necessarily to say that they're a risk for violence against themselves or others, but certainly there is a a desire to be provocative or something that there's affiliation. A desire, there's a desire to be provocative in a way that's fundamentally unfeeling. I mean, in 2019, it's not that, uh, you know, it's not like, I don't know what would be a reference of something that's provocative but not on people's minds. School shootings are at the top of mind. I mean, they are hanging over people's head. They are causing anxiety and fear and chaos for parents and teachers and students. So someone who wants to be provocative, I mean, you could wear... Oh my God, this is going to make me sound like I'm 100 years old. Those like, remember those shirts when I was a kid that it was like co-ed naked volleyball? Do you remember that? It was like all the like, all the different sports. Uh, you didn't have one. No, of course I didn't. I tell you that. Like, no, but like some of our cousins who were older had one. And it wasn't, and it just said that. And there wasn't anything actually yeah. uh, explicit yeah, on I'm them. I'm sure there's but lots like, of, you wouldn't have to try that hard to be provocative. That's what I'm saying. You can be provocative in a way that people are going to be like, ooh. Edgy. Like a, like a big cannabis leaf. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Is it really edgy to celebrate the murder of innocent people? Would you be are my being, question. Then you're being provocative in a way that shows a fundamental misunderstanding of yeah. where everybody is in a way that's fundamentally unfeeling. So that happened. Okay. And then a couple of days later, um, Sandy Hook Promise released um, a PSA. And I have a little bit harder time trying to figure out where I fall on this. Um, but I want to, I'll use their quote, um, the PSA reflects public fears on the subject that are out of step with the rareness of violence in schools is what some of the pushback was that you are taking the public spheres and you're really magnifying them. Um, and the article that I was reading talked about that this PSA was shown nine times Wednesday and Thursday on a couple of stations, mm -hmm. um, at least five times on a few other news stations. So they, it, was, it was shown at least nine times on MSNBC and, and NBC. Mm -hmm. CNN and HLN aired it at least five times. And one of the commentators at, at MSNBC said, after it was airing it, this is the harrowing new reality that students face at school, mm -hmm. which is patently not true because we have a lot of statistics that indicate, Columbine was 20 years ago, we have a lot of statistics that indicate <clears throat> that actually the rate of violence is decreasing. The number of mm -hmm. deaths from active shooter incidents are decreasing. Mm -hmm. So it is irresponsible to continue to paint it as such. This is... But on the other hand... We have spent so much of our careers advocating for people to take school violence seriously mm -hmm. and to get people to be prepared for this horrific possibility that I'm really kind of torn of where I've come down on that. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple, I mean, if, since we're talking about these two in tandem, there's a couple important distinctions. Uh, the Sandy Hook Promise one is truly a PSA. They are yep. not selling something. Yep. Um, and if you want to talk about the sensationalization of violence in our culture... There's a lot of violence in our media, in our news media, in our narrative, you know, film and TV, and those things are for profit reasons. Sure. Uh, the reason that this PSA was made by Sandy Hook was to talk about the, the work that they do and the work that they champion in violence prevention. So I think you have to look at the intentionality and what was the purpose of the thing. I think that that's really important um, to set this apart. 
Um, I also agree with you that there is a problem that we're framing it as this is the new reality yeah. for American students. That's a that's a problem, and I'm going to come back to that one. But I want to talk also of the the notion of oh that we're showing this violence, that we're perpetuating this violence. Look on anything, turn on any channel oh, at I any time. But who said that, that we were perpetuating this violence? I mean, I think that's some of the concern. I mean, I read a lot of people that were like oh, clutching oh. their pearls of like, oh, it's so graphic. How how dare you make such a thing? Oh, yeah. The no, news that's... is that graphic. Yeah. A movie, I, I'm not going to name a movie because yeah. it'll make me sound like I'm also 100 years old. Like, pick a movie. A movie is super gra sure. graphic violence. So I have a problem with that. What I think, and, and the takeaway that I had, and, and this is what you and I discussed, I think it gives a really important insight not to what is the new reality of our students that a school shooting could happen at any time and you're at risk for violence in your school all day, every day. It could happen all the time. I think it, I think it shows what is the cost to our kids of acting like that. Yeah. That, especially that it, in... The assumption that, of course, if anything terrible happens to you, it will be in a school and mm -hmm. it'll be a school shooting. Mm -hmm. Not that you could drown or that you could yep. get hit by a car or yep. that you could be vaping and get sick or whatever yep. all these other things are. Yeah, It's this assumption that if you're going to die as a kid, it's going to be in a school shooting. Yeah, and we'll, we'll toss a link in the description, obviously, for those of you who haven't seen the PSA. Um, so I, I, if you haven't seen it, maybe pause right now and go watch it because I think I'm going to spoil what's so impactful about it, that it starts out as this like happy-go-lucky back to school and then sort of devolves into sure. this horror show. Um, and and of, it is, and it is. Uh, I've heard it described as a gut punch, and it mm -hmm. certainly mm -hmm. is. Yeah, but I think, I, I think for me, it, it really graphically illustrated the takeaway of how our students feel when we are doing these incredibly intense security interventions. We're doing intense drills um, where we have kids who are being victims in a drill. They have fake blood on them in a drill that's for law enforcement or emergency responders. All of the things that we have done in the name of school safety, I think, have created this feeling in kids, have perpetuated, but incorrectly have perpetuated this... the thought that it but, could happen all any day, yeah. all the time. It could happen, but but how is this helping? But the how PSA, is this PSA, but the PSA didn't start. The PSA, if the culture, if what we're if what we're critiquing is the culture that says this could happen to you, sixth grader, this could happen. It probably yeah. will. If we're if we're critiquing that culture, this PSA didn't create it. It was an abdication of but this work. But it's perpetuating it. That has and I'm not being... bulletproof backpacks. When I'm selling bulletproof well, backpacks, that's sure, perpetuating. Sure. When I'm selling bulletproof that's whiteboards, exploiting that's, ex it. that's exploiting right. it. So Okay, so maybe it, it certainly doesn't work against that culture. I don't know if it perpetuates that culture. I don't know And either. it does not exploit that culture. So I certainly, I think it is, uh, it is inappropriate to lump this PSA with other things that oh. are a gut punch. Nope. This at least is a gut punch for good. And you know oh, what? I, I'm, it, I won't... Yes, it is, but is it a gut punch for good if in reality it perpetuates a dangerous notion that you need to spend all of your time, energy, and resources on active shooter preparation when in reality it is most, it is so st statistically rare that you are creating an unsafe environment by ignoring all of the other things. That's because true. while we were looking at all these things this week, we had multiple fatalities in bus accidents. We had accidents. We had medical. We had all kinds of things happening in mm -hmm. schools. 
but everyone was going, this is the thing I need to be worried about and this is yep. the thing I need to prepare. So well, that's why I said I, I have really mixed feelings. I mean, it's a slam dunk about the, the sweatshirts. But for me, I have very mixed feelings about this PSA. Well, the only other thing I'll say in defense of it is this does not perpetuate the notion that active shooter events happen all the time and you need to be able to respond to them. The only other thing that I will say in, in defense of the PSA is that they are, this gut punch is to get you to think about preventing violence in schools. Now they are talking. That's true. They are That's talking. True. They are talking in the PSA pretty squarely about shooting events in schools. But what they're suggesting that you do, which is violence prevention in the form of behavioral threat assessment and management, that intervention will help to prevent other types of violence yeah, in schools I'm that happen not a lot more sure often. Active that's shoot. really the end result for the average person that's looking at that. No, I but, think it is a very clear okay, message no, but if, that this is the thing we worry about. It, but it's true, that is the thing we worry about. Well and the and, and research our, and that's the work that we do is reframing that conversation. Sure. And that's why uh, this and, reboot and that's necessarily and that's not necessarily the work that Sandy Hook Promise does. Well the the peer re, the, there was a Pew research uh, survey that came out from 2018 and 57% of US teens were either very or somewhat worried that a shooting could happen in their schools mm -hmm. and parents were a rate of 63%. So we have this, you know, our research from the same year mm -hmm. of 2018 indicated about 6% of all violent incidents were school shootings, mm -hmm. but yet 57% of teenagers, male and female, and 63% of parents believe that it is much more yeah. possible and likely yeah. and than it really is. And since we're not talking about our research specifically in this episode, it's probably important to explain that 6%. That doesn't mean that 6% of American schools experienced no. an active shooter event. It means of the incidents that we tracked, which was not a ton, but more than we'd like to see, clearly. Sure. Of those incidents that we tracked, only 6% of the incidents we tracked were active shooter events. So it's not that... Of the violent incidents in schools, about 80% of them are school shootings. No, it's no. about 6%. And so, you know, it, that doesn't, I think, speak to the, the reframing this conversation needs to be. Active shooter event is not the most likely hazard, and it cannot be the only thing that we spend our, our time and our energy and our effort on. Well, and I read a quote um, recently in an interview um, from uh, Michael Dorn from Safe Havens International, and he talked about the idea that, Increased awareness does not mean increased rate. Yeah. So you have this increased awareness of what's happening right. doesn't mean that it translates to an actual increase in what's happening. Yeah. And then our final one um, came from The Onion. Um, and, you know, The Onion is a satirical mm -hmm. uh, entity. Mm -hmm. um, and they had an article about a, a fake school shooter. And it's something, the headline was something like school shooter, potential school shooter is stopped in time before igniting the national gun debate or something like that. And then they had a picture of Parkland High School from Pennsylvania, which then became a whole, is there a threat against this high school? And they talked about how this potential shooter was from Ohio and all of it was fictitious. Mm -hmm. And in that article, they talked about the onion justified it or talked about that they were satirizing the national gun debate. And so I guess the, the question is, I, I'm not going to criticize them for, I, well, I'm not sure that, that a school shooting is ripe for satire, but okay. But if all of these things we're talking about with the sweatshirts and with this Onion article are all about the national gun debate, why are schools the only 
platform by which we can have a national gun debate? Why is that the, the touch point of, you know, if we want to have a national gun debate, let's talk about where violence really occurs the most in our communities, in our homes. I mean, in, in all of these other places where gun violence is an issue, why are we choosing this pretty rare instance of a school in order to frame the discussion of a gun debate, regardless of where your viewpoint is on guns? Well, I will say, I know that there are uh, gun control activists who are trying to talk specifically about what you talk about of, of, of suicide, uh, daily murder, of the gun violence that happens every day in our communities and in our homes um, at, frankly, a much, much alarmingly oh, yeah. higher rate than mass shootings. So I think people are trying to uh, frame that as well. Uh, as to why is it, why has it happened, uh, I, I don't know, I can't. Well, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a con pretty convenient media narrative. I mean, it's well, and I think the, the I mean, children it, dying shocking, in schools, it's, it's, yeah, shocking yeah. and compelling. And but I think I think what's partly maybe though, more have important. we owned it as educators in the sense that we have taken on the burden of we need to prepare kids and train people and talk about it. You know, we we teach fire safety and bike safety, and we teach all these other things. So clearly, we have to teach this safety thing. Too. And you and I talk about this a lot in our trainings of we have owned this to the point where we're saying to kids, the only place you're ever going to need to not, run not, a not fight. Purpose. Yeah, we're not, not saying it on purpose. Out loud, but the implication is. It is that the only place you're going to need to use this tool of rapid evacuation, barricading, or countering a gunman, run, hide, fight, is going to be here at school. When, it, when completely, when the inverse is most likely yeah. to be true. And so we've inadvertently owned this problem and allowed our schools to become sort of the 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 I don't know the wrestling pit for this, mm -hmm. this kind of a yeah. of a problem. Well, I don't. I certainly don't think it's anything that educators asked for. Honestly, obviously, um, but I I think it is sort of a thing that has come out of necessity. I mean, if you think of the cycle of how these happens, uh, you know, you have an active shooter event. There's an incredible amount of media attention. Parents then think this could happen here because it can and then schools are caught on their heels as to sure. what is our plan how are we going to respond how are we going to prevent how are we going to prepare and so they in in order to sort of you know control the outcry from parents it's okay well we'll do uh this thing yeah whatever and unfortunately i don't think many schools have been able to break that cycle of event parents reaction event parents reaction um and not events in their own schools but event broadly speaking and and, and, and we, I don't want I don't want to be too critical of educators because I understand that folks have a lot on their plate and and this is not adequately funded and all of the very valid explanations for it but this has been happening since Columbine well to, I, and to I one think extent or another if, this has been happening since Columbine and especially since Sandy Hook and there has got to come a point where educators and education leaders can break the cycle and go you know what I understand that parents are here at the board meeting pounding on the table demanding action and I have what I have for them is a comprehensive, all-hazards approach to school safety that involves right. prevention, preparation, professional development for educators, as opposed to, holy cow, a shooting happened, people are upset, uh, I guess but we'll I, put in metal detectors. I think a better criticism of educators in that, in that same line of, of reasoning is when you have these periods between these high-profile events, mm. you know, you have this period of a year or two or whatever it is, we become, everyone becomes complacent. Mm -hmm. Instead of going, now's an opportunity 
to look at the other hazards that we face. Mm -hmm. Now that everyone has settled down about the the school shooting threat, mm -hmm. let's take a look at the other ones. So I think but, sometimes the complacency and that's not has been the in enemy. The, in the complacency and the problem of acute harms versus large-scale ephemeral harms is a problem that we have in this country. Um, you know, when we have natural, you know, large-scale natural disasters, what human, what Americans are capable of doing, of scrounging together supplies and delivering them uh, to the area that has been impacted by the tragedy, we're great at that, which is the equivalent to a school shooting, which is this acute, awful tragedy. What we're not very good at doing as Americans is, how can I do this in a way that's strategic and intentional. How can I do this in a way that is every day? That's part of the way we do things every day. How can I try to mitigate risk and prevent harm as opposed to, holy cow, this thing's on fire, put it out. As opposed to, yeah. let's make the whole situation less flammable. And that's something that we struggle with as Americans. If you look at natural disasters, our infrastructure, name like nine other different things. That's a problem that we have. So that's not unique to education. But I think it is incumbent on educators to break that cycle. And we've got to find a way to do it. And it can be done. Well, yes, and I will, won't disagree with that. But I don't think the issue is that it's incumbent upon educators to reframe this discussion. We need to stop owning this problem, but we also need to start having society at large take a good look at schools, you know, John Dewey, schools are a reflection of society. Mm -hmm. If you don't like what's happening in schools, then you better look at what's happening in society. Mm -hmm. And if you are concerned about violence in schools, you need to be concerned about violence in neighborhoods and communities and, you know, all these other places. And so I think, yes, we as educators need to stop owning this problem. And that's mm -hmm. what we talked about. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also really important for us to advocate for that rebooting of let's get a really good handle on what we're really talking about mm -hmm. to to contrast this incredibly high rate of fear and anxiety with the reality of you know that sort of risk well, perception and, and, and I, you know i don't mean to lay too much at, at the feet of educators but i think there is a education piece about this that's missing what are the facts not what are not to not allow what people are afraid of to mitigate to, to drive policy and to drive decision making. Of what are you what are you scared of? As opposed to no, these are the facts. Yeah. The risk of a, of a child being shot and killed in an American school, uh, according to you know Harvard lecturer David Ropick, is one in six hundred and fourteen million. So even if all of your parents think it's probably like one in ten, that's not the case. Yeah. Here are the risks that we face. Here are the hazards that we face. Here are the things that are are based in evidence that are best practices that work and that we need to undertake. And so being able to put their those fears in their in their proper place. I mean, well, I'm, and it I'm, wouldn't be so bad if being over fearful of this or being over prepared, if you will, or over protective. It wouldn't be so bad if there was no real tangible problem with that. But I think that the bigger piece that people aren't really looking at is there's a huge cost mm -hmm. to us. There's a huge cost to kids. There's a, an impact in instruction. There's an impact there's a literal on time, money. Cost. Yeah, there's all of these and, things. And I think and that, it's draining and away. That, I think, is the biggest falling down point because it is something that people are so afraid of. And those fears have gone completely unchecked since Columbine, I would, I would say. Since Columbine, those fears have gone completely unchecked. People are willing to say, do whatever it takes. Yeah. There is no cost too high, literal, figurative cost. And there's another reboot. Yeah. We need yeah. to reboot that of, is there a point where it's too much? Yeah, I think we're hitting that point. 
I, we've already hit that point. Yeah, I think I, we're, we're hitting and, that point. You know, and I've said this on a, a number of different media interviews at this point, and I, I will reiterate it here. My prediction is that in 10 to 15 years, when, when there is funding for this issue to be adequately studied, we are going to find that there absolutely is a cost to students, and I would say from about Sandy Hook on, to this, do whatever it takes at any cost, be in lockdown for six hours, fire blanks in the hallway in front of kids, that mentality of fine, armed teachers, do whatever it takes, I don't care, keep this keep this school safe, turn it into a prison, I don't care. Um, I think we are going and to find- And would we accept that, would we have that same philosophy of do whatever it takes, no matter the cost, if we were talking about, I don't know, tornadoes, which are probably more common, <laughs> Than, uh, than a school shooting, you know, or any of these other hazards. And there, there are no other hazards where we would say, do whatever it takes. Doesn't matter the cost, doesn't matter what it does to my kid, it doesn't matter, and none of those things matter, do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. There's no other and, hazard and, that we would be willing to do that for. And because the there are physical, literal costs that are tangible, but my prediction is that we are going to find that there have been intangible, difficult to measure costs both in academic achievement and in the mental health yeah. of a whole generation of kids. Um, there's well, a if, you'd, if you'd like to see more on this, um, I took my frustration and vented it into a blog post, um, which is also... Shouted into the void. I shouted it. I, I wrote it, and then I shouted it out the window, and whatever good it did me. Um, but there, there's a blog post on our website if you'd like to see that and maybe uh, use it as a jumping off point to have some discussions with your colleagues yeah. or in your in your. And I uh, want to end on a high school because the, the good news that I have seen, the good news that I, I have to share is I think we are starting to hear educators say the same sentiment, which is enough with this ultra realistic, scary, turning my school into a prison stuff. I have first graders, for goodness sakes, and I'm going to teach them safety skills. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand. I'm going to teach them safety skills that are appropriate and that make sense. And I, I'm starting to hear a lot of that on Twitter. Um, and that gives me a lot of hope that the way that this will be changed is, is from educators saying, no, not that we're not going to do anything, but we're not going to do anything at any cost. We're going to do things that make sense. Well, I think the other good news is that uh, going back to our sweatshirts, I don't think anyone's paying $210, so that's probably a good thing. And I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, this brand has taken a beating, which is probably not going to hurt them that much. It's probably going to be, you know, something beneficial to them in the long run. But I do think it says something that there is a point where we go, all right. Um, and so I think it, that's really the conversation is, are we at the point where we say enough is enough and we start rebooting that yeah. conversation? The other thing I will say, since we're circling back to what we talked about earlier, if you haven't seen or if you have seen the, the Sandy Hook PSA, go back and look at the one that they released, I think it was about a year ago, um, called Evan. Um, which yeah, is, that one I thought which was Which is really... less graphic, but still a gut punch. Yeah. Um, you know, I never have seen any of the uh, M. Night Shyamalan movies where there's like a twist ending uh this has a twist ending that will make you think really think critically of, of what are we doing and and how can we prevent violence in schools because and those are the um, conversation starters we need to have yeah instead of the exploitation that yeah. supposedly is starting the the exploitation or the satire that is supposedly starting conversations um as opposed to a, a thoughtful sort of exploration well, about of 20 that. minutes worth of conversation with us so uh but 
more importantly, I know what you think. We talk a lot. I would love to hear what everybody else has to say. Um, please join in the conversation um, with us. We're, we're trying to be pretty active on Twitter. Um, you can find the link to uh, those information down in the description. Um, please, if you are listening to this in podcast form, uh, please rate and review and subscribe. Um, that really is helpful for folks who are similarly situated to be able to find some of this content. And if you have friends or colleagues who you think need to hear some of this stuff, or some of our other more traditional online professional development offerings, you can find all of that stuff at our website, which is www.eschoolsafety.org. Um, everything is there, online, all of our online professional development, the webinars, the podcasts, uh, YouTube videos, if you're watching, if you're watching us, hi, and you can see us, um, that's all listed there. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us directly, info at eschoolsafety.org. But I would rather hear your comments um, probably on Twitter or Facebook, where we, we have uh, presences both, and we'd love to uh, hear what you have to say, especially educators who are grappling with this stuff in your classrooms every day.